Shalom, Jim. Shalom, Rabbi. I must say we are so looking forward to your arrival here in the land of Israel soon, God willing, God willing. so that uh, on our next podcast we should actually be sitting in real in real life, in real face life. to face. So face we have a face. wonderful, safe trip, and I I really just I'm so impressed that you're you're coming uh, at this time. I know your heart is here. I know how much you love Israel. God has given me the resources that I'm able to do this, and I have to I have to say a word about my lovely wife. In that, you know, she's she's all on board with it. She's going to stay here and keep the home fires burning, so to speak. And uh, so I'll see what you know what I can uh, do for okay. Israel and for you for Jerusalem Lights, of course. Okay. And uh, look forward to it anyway. So you'll be here for Hanukkah. Hanukkah is coming up um, week from Thursday night, the seventh, maybe, and on the yeah, the night of the seventh is the first candle, and. Yeah. Um, Listen, everything about Hanukkah is the backdrop and the and the and the front, <laughs> the front and the back of everything that's going on now uh, in 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 Israel. And uh, I feel like it's like just um, um, completely happening now. You know, it's this is the month of miracles. This is the month of courage. This is the month of physical and spiritual victory. And it's also about facing off against difficult odds it's a and mostly it's about standing up for the things that we believe in you know the, the whole concept of of Hanukkah is about the rededication of the temple but the word means both dedication and education which is really interesting Hanukkah it comes from the word that is also Chinuch which is like the temple was rededicated from the defilement of the invaders of the Greeks and the story of the oil of course and it's also education and mostly it's about the illumination of the hidden light of creation. You know, the whole idea that we actually light 36 candles minus the, minus the candles of the shamash, would be, which would be 44, that those correspond to the 36 hours that um, the original light of creation was um, present in the world um, for Adam and Eve until they were banished from the Garden of Eden. And, and, and in the rekindling of, of the Hanukkah lights every year, there's a little bit of a, like a sparkling of that light, which again has a lot to do with the, the, the concept of the festival being a replay, a reliving, a new opportunity for Tikkun of all of the things that we believe in and that we're willing to fight for. And so I want to just start off, Jim, because the, the, these are such difficult days and we're facing things that we, we um, have to grapple with on so many different levels. and. It's very, very easy to lose sight of these things. And so I want to start off by saying, you know what? Hashem is king. Hashem always was king and always will be king. And everything is part of, of his plan. And, you know, with all of the difficulties and that, are, that, are, that we're facing and that we are, you know, um, navigating through, some of the, the tikkunim, some of the, some of the clearly blatant, opportunities that Hashem is giving us are so amazing. You know, the, the positive things, as it were, that are, that are going on. For example, Jim, the tremendous spirit of unity that is felt on so many different levels now. You know, right, right before the, the war broke out, right before the terrible attack of the 7th of October, you know that the, the, the big story that you kept on hearing about every day was the 
was the schism in society, you know, with the judicial reform protests and everything that was going on and all the name calling and all the demonization of the other side yeah. and all the blame, the blame game. And, and that's really something that I, I think people realize was very bad for the soul of the nation. And, and I think that we're tr trying to get past that. And, and there is a lot of rethinking, a lot of reevaluation and understanding of, um, just a, a kind of an, a, a new perception of things and it's in the process of going on now it's not it's not even you know it's just getting started and so clearly it's you know Hashem is reaching out to us and about and about that I want to say something else because you know one of the most difficult things that we have to deal with is the horrible atrocities of October 7th that we've been talking about and that we'll always be talking about because it changed everything. It changed the world for us, you know. And a lot of people are are feeling, you know, how does this fit in exactly with my feelings about Hashem? How does it feel fit in with my feelings about divine providence, you know? And I want to say something about that that, 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 I, that um, I think is important. And, and that is, you know, that there's a difference between, you know, saying that Hashem's presence was hidden and saying, no, Hashem's presence was not hidden, but Hashem has a message for us, you know? In other words, in other words, what's, what happened is like a broadcast from God of Bidat Hadin, you know, the attribute of justice, which is a difficult thing. It can be a traumatizing thing and a difficult and a, and a really heavy thing, you know. But it's not like Hashem is hiding his face at all. In fact, I, th I think that everybody feels so strongly that, that Hashem is being so obvious in all of this, you know, that he is in all of this. And that there's a, there is a real strong message that we need to rally around, you know, but you see what I'm saying? The difference is that he, it's not about Hashem abandoning his people or hiding his face. It's about him showing his face maybe in a way that's very difficult to handle, but that's what we we signed on for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Rabbi, don't you think that the that what you're saying really is just is just clearly in it, it, you, you're saying these things, and I'm thinking this is so much about what the Parsha is about. The first this uh, Vaishlak because this is at the end of this wrestling match that we read about that is so uh, monumental in its in its uh, impact on the world, and it's it's a restatement of of uh, of history's course being set from the moment we hear about the children wrestling in the in the womb, and then and then Yaakov meets this man and they wrestle in the dark. And he see he says it it is sort of when he he says I'm I've seen I've seen God face to face and I've lived. That's just what you're saying. This exactly. what we're going through right now. This you can't be more in your face. And there is a message, and I'm not going to say it because I know that you know it, and everyone in Eretz Israel who's going through this experience, they know what they're seeing in this reality. Because what is the other word for for Torah? is reality right it is the truth and and so i think it's remarkable that you you couch it in this way because this is this is the experience of wrestling with with isav you're so spot on jim you're so spot on it's absolutely staggering and the, you know we always talk about the confluence of the torah portions and the events and that is like a given and it's kind of like 
just it, it it should be obvious to anybody who knows that this is what what re, our the substance of our reality is, and we've been talking about it for years. How Torah is not a book of stories or or history, but it's liter literally our story that's unfolding. But in this case, it's just absolutely staggering, really overpowering yeah. what's going on here with Yaakov. And I want to talk a lot about Yaakov today with you, but and don't forget, first of all, besides besides what you just said, that I can't agree with more because. You know, one part, one level of of his encounter with that figure was basically his encounter with himself, with forces within himself as well. Yeah. You know, he's he's called a man, so we we all know that it's really talking about an angel. And Chazal, you know, say <clears throat> it's the angel of of Esav, as it were. But it, it's it, there's so many different levels to to what that was all about. But don't forget that this is a man who had angels at his disposal. Like us, like his own private, like SWAT team, you know, like because in the beginning of the parsha, he sends angels mm -hmm. on ahead to Esav uh, with a message. So he, this is a man who has angels in his command, right? And yet, when it came to the confrontation with with uh, with Esav, he was very concerned. He was afraid. He had to divide up the camp. So what is that all about? So this is so incredibly important. And you have the approach of someone like Ramban. Nachmanides, who looks at the entire Sefer Breshit, you know, Ramban's um, view his, in his commentary of the entire book of Genesis is that it is all symbolic of the future. Yeah. You know, the whole book of Genesis yeah. is is basically a, 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 a template. It's Masavot Saman the Banim, like we always talk about that. Right. What happened to the what happened to the forefathers will, will befall the children. But but um, he the way he looks at it. Yaakov's struggle with that angel, like other incidents in his life, was not about his life per se, but it was about, it's not about Yaakov the man, but about the history of Beit Yaakov, the family of Jacob, and then he becomes Israel, yeah. the children of Israel. And that in itself is so, is so powerful and so deep, that, that transition, because as opposed to Avraham, who was called Avram, and then Hashem added a hey and changed his name to Avraham, and nobody says the word Avram anymore. In fact, the Talmud says that it, that uh, no no one's supposed to say Avram anymore because it's a different person. But Hashem right. himself changed Yaakov's name to Israel, and then God himself many times still uses the word Yaakov, and it sometimes in, ver in one verse within, let's say, the prophets, it's used simultaneously, because because the difference is that when that name was added to Yaakov, it wasn't. A replacement it was an embellishment it was an addition it was a new level yeah. because Yaakov is carrying two different levels and and thousands of pages have been written about this one idea that you know like for example like Yaakov is like one level of prophecy and then Yisrael is a higher level like a higher level of consciousness and Yaakov is like the individual and Yisrael is the is the is the uh, you know the community and, the, and there's more and more and more but what I want to say is that you know Obviously, this happened on the simple level as well, but but <clears throat> I'm saying, like for example, Ramban looks at the Book of Genesis as a, as symbols, yeah, as as signs of what is going to befall us in the future, so that if we can interpret these things correctly, we can gain an insight, basically, into into our history and into how to navigate through our history. So in the, so in that light, again, like you say. You know, with everything that's going on now, that I I must talk to you about. So the struggle with the man is basically Israel's struggle throughout history. Yes, exactly. with all all those who come against her, 
through the entire duration of the exile. And when does the Parsha guarantee the victory? Only at dawn. At dawn. Right, only at dawn, which is like the time of the redemption. So in the end, you know, like we're informed that it will be good, but the struggle is very, very difficult. It's like all night long, and he receives this wound in the battle, you know, which is basically representing the future generations because right. it's like the hip socket, like representing like the the um, reproductive mechanism, you know, the mechanism of birth. So we have to go through a lot of difficult things is what Yaakov was seeing, right? But but like you say, the, the, the amazing part of it is that he says, I saw Elohim face to face. Yeah. And basically our, our sages teach that this was Yaakov's, you know, that this was Asa's ministering angel that he was that he was dealing with. But that again, the struggle between Yaakov and Asaph, like we've always known, is not a struggle between two brothers. It's something completely higher. It's something completely spiritual. It's between spiritual forces. And and in fact, it was before Yaakov met up with Asaph that he had to go through this because the the spiritual struggle is like a is like a um uh an introduction to or like it precedes the the the, the earthly struggle, right? But again, it's it's all so perplexing, you know, like he, the verse never actually says that it's an angel, whereas right. the first verses in Vayishlach say that he sent out malachim, which are messengers or messengers. actually angels. But here he's left alone, you know, because he had to go back. And you know the tradition that he forgot some small items, right? He has to go back and he's confronted by this person. Is it like a, a highwayman? Is it a bandit? Is it somebody that wants to waylay him because he thinks that he has money or something? So he fights with them the whole night and he can't best him, so he wounds him. But in the, but in, but in the morning, he, he the, the attacker, asks Yaakov to, to please release him. Right. And what does Yaakov say with the man that's caused him this, this uh, difficulty that's been fighting with him the whole night? I won't release you till you bless me. Till you bless me. Yeah. So generally speaking, when you're when you're uh, waylaid, when you're attacked by someone, you don't say to the person in the end of the struggle, "Now you bless me, or I won't let you go." Yeah, right. At times during this this whole night long struggle, sometimes Yaakov is on top, you know, and then sometimes he's flipped over and his sod is on top, and that's been the story of the struggle of 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 Israel of the people the Jewish people all through the centuries is sometimes they're right there they're they've got a they've got a firm hold on their their future their destiny and then and then Esav will will flip it over on them you talk about an existential struggle going on right this moment is and and Esav is behind all this anyway it's, right, Hamas is just. There's no difference here between Ishmael and Esav, Jim. Right. I'm telling you, right. uh, don't don't tell me Ishmael. This is a battle with the forces of Esav. Right. Uh, well, but, I want I want to get to sure. that, but I, I I want I just want to really um, get into the spirit of Yaakov a little bit more before we plug it into everything that's going on. But you know yeah. what, what you just said about existential existential um, implication of all of this. So in this fight, in this fight, you know, it's called a ma'avak. And so we read, for example, in chapter 32 and verse 25, so Yaakov was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the break of dawn. So this wrestling is called a ma'avak and the root of that word, aleph, bekuf, is avak, is dust, right? So the sages in the Midrash say this 
again, you know, they always provide us with these poetic insights that are very elusive and, and until we delve into the mean, the meaning of, of what they're trying to tell us, right? And they tell us, it's called a ma'avak, va'ya'avek ishimo, a man wrestled with him because the, the dust from their struggle, because like they're, they're struggling, right? And so they're rolling around, so they're kicking up dust. And so, so Chazal say, the dust from their struggle like it rose up and it covered over the throne of glory, mm. wow. right? So that's, that is such a powerful statement. And, and I believe on one level, the idea being exactly like, it's like their, their struggle throughout the ages obscures Hashem's presence, as it were, obscures what is the divine plan, obscures kind of like it's, it's the, they're, they're the dust from this struggle makes it hard to, to, to discern like Hashem in the picture of the whole thing, because it, it just goes on and on and on. But Yaakov says to this, to this um, figure, yeah. to this figure, um, bless me. So wh what is that? What is really that all about? And so it's, it's so beautiful. Rashi cites the words of the sages saying that what he meant was admit to me about the blessings. Yeah. And uh, and other and this is everything because as Yaakov is set upon by the, by this spirit of uh, this antagonistic spirit of denial mm -hmm. as to who he is and what his role is in this world. He did what his mother Rivka told him to do. Right. That was her prophetic her prophetic message. But you know, as he told her at the time, it bothered him the tricky way that she told him to do it. You know, it bothered him. He did not want his blessings to be as a result of that plan. He wanted them to be validated. And you know what? Bless me, he said to, yeah, to Asaph's angel, meaning validate for me that I have earned my father's blessings, that I deserve them. That's what this whole thing was all about. And that's why the angel changed his name to Israel. Yeah. But you know what, Rabbi? You know exactly. What, that was the, that yeah. was the angel's validation. Right. You know what? These are your blessings. They were always meant to be your blessings. Yeah. In a way, he's also saying, you know, I can't put it any other way. If you bless me, guess what? You'll be blessed. Like he's, he, he might even be thinking that, you know, since you're the representative of my, of my brother, if you would do this one thing, it would even, it would even come back on you. It would return on you. And speaking of the dust and everything is again, uh, Esau's, uh, representative, his proxy, whatever, wants to keep wants to keep Jacob down in the dirt, wh where wow. he is, because that's where he stayed. He was material. He was of the earth. He he didn't believe in the heavenly and in, in the invisible. And and he, it was his way of saying, "I'm not going to let you ascend. I'm not going to let you, you know, uh, elevate your your soul and your work. I want you down here with me." Because that's what right. that's what world the world is all about. It's not about some invisible God or something. That's amazing. So the thing is, and Jim, I want to talk to you about what's on my mind and what's on my heart. You know, the hostage deal and everything that's going on now. I, I, but I want to say something else first, because because this the Yaakov has a tremendous amount of power. You know, he was the as it were, he was the perfection of the forefathers, you know, and he he had the 12 tribes, which cemented the foundation of the nation. Uh, his, his dominant spirit, personality, his essence is, is kind of like forming the backdrop of the days that we're in now. Mm 
And this is really interesting. I shared this with our Zoom yeah. class. You know, Yaakov passed away on the first day of Sukkot. Wow. Did you know that, Jim? I, I did you know that, but I forgot it if I if I ever knew it. So there's an, an allusion to that in chapter 33 and verse 17 that says that Yaakov came to Sukkot. Mm -hmm. That's right. So so he so he passed away on the first day of Sukkot. But you know what? He wasn't buried until the first day of Hanukkah. Wow. Because we learn because we learn uh, in um, gosh in chapter 50. Uh, in Parshat Vayichri, that he was embalmed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is a whole another question. What does that mean exactly? Because it's not it's not the way exactly the classic way that the Egyptians embalmed, which was by removing All the vital organs, and yeah. instead instead it was like injecting a certain kind of fluid. And why did it do that exactly? I was just sharing recently. It's very very interesting because it's not really at all what the Torah would want uh, for the body. And of course, Yosef had it, had to have it done as well for himself because he was a, vo a viceroy and he was in that whole echelon. So they did that to him. I don't know if he had any choice even. Yaakov left instructions that he should be embalmed. Right. And the, and, and the Midrash tells us a very fascinating thing, and that is that the Egyptians used to worship their dead. And Yaakov did not want... Them to worship him, and this is really interesting. Uh, he knew, because he was a tzaddik, he knew who he was. It wasn't a question of um, ego, and it also wasn't a question of false modesty. He knew exactly where he stood with Hashem in this world, and he knew that he was a tzaddik, that he was righteous, and therefore he knew that his body would not decompose, because the really righteous people, their bodies do not compose, and so he was concerned that the Egyptians would see that he didn't decompose, and therefore they'll think that he's a god and worship him, and therefore he instructed him that he should be prepared in that manner so that they would say that that's the reason why his body was right. not and not because of the fact that it wouldn't anyway. And yeah. so he did this whole thing just to make sure that they would not worship him. But in any event, the point is, the Torah tells us specifically in chapter 50 that there was a 40-day period of embalming, and then he was bewailed for 70 days. But for, but for, I just want to say 14 of Tishrei is, is the, the eve of Sukkot, right? Mm -hmm. Plus 60, so the 14th of Tishrei, the 14th of Cheshvan, the 14th of Kislev is 60, another 10 days, the, four, the 24th of Kislev. So he was buried on Hanukkah. So, so it, it, the intriguing idea here is that during all of these weeks, from like it's like bookends, like from Sukkot until Hanukkah, there's a certain kind of um, yeah. It's like Yaakov is like permeating these days. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. he's not buried. <laughs> he's like he's like here. He's in the background. He passed away in Sukkot, and so that so that alone, like Yaakov's um, life life force, as it were, is is connecting Sukkot to Hanukkah. That's one idea, which I find just very, very intriguing because his life is like the, 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 the epitome of the concept of what transpired to the, to the forefathers will befall, should be a lesson for the sons. Then there's this other idea in Vayishlach. He crossed the, he crossed the Yabok another time. When, and, uh, you know, the famous Rashi tells us that he went 
to retrieve some things that he lost there. A little, uh, supposedly a little uh, jar or... He, it's like it says, Pachim Ketanim. Yeah. Which means like little little vessels, right? It makes it sound like little like Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> like little containers, you know? It's yeah. like, it's what is that? So there's all sorts of different meanings to that. Like, why did he go back for those things, you know? But there is a very special tradition that actually connects Yaakov to Hanukkah in the strongest way. And that is that you remember back in Parshat Noah. So Noah sent out the dove. Right. And she came back with a, an olive branch. So according to this uh, this beautiful tradition, the the branch had olives on it, and Noah made those olives into olive oil. Uh, a little okay. jar of olive oil. I see where this is going now. This is very good. Yeah, little, little jar of olive oil, and he gave that over to his son Shem, who, aka Malkitzedek, Kohen to the the Most High God. Malkitzedek gave that as a gift to Abraham. Abraham gave it to Yitzchak. Yitzchak gave it to Yaakov. Yaakov hid it at Mount Moriah, mm -hmm. and that is what he went back for, what he what he forgot, and then he hid it at Mount Moriah, and that that is actually the oil that the Kohanim found, um, the one uh, cruise of oil that was still sealed. Yeah. Yes, the one cruise of, of oil that carried the seal of the Kohen Gadol. What is absolutely beyond, beyond about this idea is that we're saying that the oil of Hanukkah that was the basis of the miracle, the basis of proclaiming Hashem's involvement with his people and in this world, even if, even though his presence is concealed. Mm -hmm. The oil that we know, the 36 lights, as it were, that is a, a flashing, a, an illumination, a, a feeling, a sparking, a yearning of the original hidden light of creation, that that oil was formed from the oil that was basically the hallmark of the the presaging of the renewed world yeah of course the world of the new covenant the world of the of peace the world of hashem's promise not to destroy the world again so so in other words that the the oil of hanukkah is actually the oil that represents the post-flood world which is the world of hope and it's through that, as it were, that covenant of, of that Hashem made with all of creation again, that it, that He is like renewing and making like a conduit to bring the hidden light of creation into the world, and therefore it flashes forward also to the ultimate redemption. It's like, it's such a, a beautiful, beautiful idea. If that was part of the the supply of oil, because you know when he had the dream. When he had the dream and woke up and, and he, he consecrated the, the stone with oil, right? With I, be oil. I believe that it was the same oil. I believe it was the same oil. That's absolutely amazing. I, I knew the tradition of of the oil uh, that, that was used for Hanukkah going back to, to, to Yaakov, but I had never heard that it goes back to the olive branch at, uh, at after the Mabul, the flood. I that blows my mind. That's amazing. I think the most beautiful thing about it 
the whole idea is that it's like it's like Hashem's hope, you know? Yeah. It's like Hashem's dream for the world, for the world that he hoped it would be. And that, you know, that's represented by that oil, right? Mm -hmm. And then when does that come out again? It comes out again when it comes to standing up for Hashem's light in the world, which is what the Holy Temple is all about, which is the forces of Esau, who, who were then like the tip of the spear of, of, Esau, of Esau, the Yevanim, the Greeks, who were like, I'm saying they were like the spearhead of the force of Esau. Yeah. They tried to, again, to um, conceal that, that yeah. presence in that light. I had always thought that Hanukkah that the word came from the word dedication, I did not know it meant like education. And that that is such a vital component that you bring that up because because this is what happens with with uh in in the Jewish world when education falters, when 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 uh families don't learn Torah, they their eyes become darkened by the influences of the Greco Roman wisdom. In fact, that's one of the descriptions of the sages when they describe the, the Greek exile, the story of Hanukkah, is that the Greeks attempted to darken the eyes of Israel. That's exactly right. how they put it. Because, why? Because they decreed against Torah study. Rabbi, I want to ask you specifically about, about a hostage situation, especially in, in the light of Torah and what's going on today. Um, we even have a, a, a hostage situation in this week's Parsha. Can you right. talk about that in light of of uh, this hostage situation that is that is presently happening right now and unfolding? Right. I guess you're talking about the deal, Jim. The infamous yeah. deal with the devil, right? So look, it's it's a it's a very very excruciating thing, and obviously, you know, we are just absolutely, uh, you know, churned up inside over. The, the plight of the hostages and the family, it's its unbearable. It's unbearable, unbearable suffering that the families are going through and that the whole nation is going through. Uh, and obviously, we want to see the release of, of the children, especially, and everyone, <laughs> as soon as possible. And, and one would think that we need to do anything to make that possible. Um, but having said that, at the same time, the, the, the excruciating place that we're in is that this deal is a very, very bad deal. And everybody knows that, Jim. Yeah. You can't negotiate with with terrorists that that are unrepentant, that want to destroy you. We cannot forget how they how they were manifest to us on the 7th of October. You know, the, 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 the beheading, the raping, the dismembering, the burning alive. This is who they are, right? And so, and so you know, the, 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 the whole idea of this lull in the fighting and giving them the opportunity to basically rearm and regroup and and uh, you know uh, move their assets and logistics and everything that we know that they're doing during this this time and the way that they are uh, basically it's almost like they have some sort of advantage now you know with with uh, over Israel in, in using this this time and, and the whole manner in which they have their demands and the people are being freed and that there are delays and the way the people have been treated and the separation of women and children and and it, it just goes on and on. It's horrific. The whole thing is horrific. I'm so concerned about the, the situation of, of these children and, and the hostages mentally and physically and, and what have they really been through and what's really going to come to light. And then we are, we are freeing 
security prisoners, right? I think we yeah. so far freed like 117 prisoners for the for the 52 hostages that have been released so far that are supposed to be released. And these these are basically people that were not convicted of murder, but almost because they, because they attempted to murder, but they didn't get away with it. And they're being they're being brought back to their homes, Jim. And the majority of these security prisoners are being are being brought back to their homes in the Jerusalem area and some in the towns in in Judea and Samaria. And they're not repentant, and they and and they are being given a hero's welcome. And even the Palestinian Authority again it says that this is part of the fabric of our society. This resistance, and so the whole situation is is, is so I don't know what what how to describe it other than like I say excruciating. It is it is um, it's just an, imp an impossible situation. So the military establishment vows that as soon as the, this truce is over that we're going to return to the to the campaign with with full force but again what is the goal is it is it to dismember to dismantle to to um incapacitate hamas or or do we see the bigger picture of what should be done in gaza that gaza should be jewish again make gaza jewish again like it like it was do, do we realize what's at stake is that again this is as we've as we felt in the beginning with that tremendous surge of of unity that this is our independence day all over again that this is our struggle for survival so so uh in, in the meantime you know we know that in torah in halakha there is a uh, this very high moral principle this very high ideal of redeeming captives yeah that that everything has to be done in order to redeem captives but there's a little bit there's a big difference between the situation that we're in again and with all of the pain and all and all of the identification with the families this the difference is that now we, some of that idea of, of of the of the concept the mitzvah as it were of redeeming captives doesn't apply to our situation because we're in a situation of all-out war where the fate of the nation is at stake where the entire nation is being held hostage and even some of the families of even some families of children have said that it's a bad deal yeah that they, they recognize as much as much as the, with all the pain of wanting to be reunited with their families and the horror of the separation and everything that's going on jim there's a thousand stories in the, the you know the backdrop of everything that you're reading about but still are, are we losing are we losing the battle now with with with, with what's going on now this is this is what remains to be seen. So it, the deal is a terrible deal, and again, Hashem is in it. Hashem is in the picture, and it is Kislev, and it is the spirit of Hanukkah. And we and I think that the nation understands what's at stake, and the nation underst <clears throat> understands what what it is that has to be done. But the the the, the whole concept of the of the uh, deal, you know, and the Palestinian security prisoners, in exchange for these these women and children and and men, and by the way, the Hamas refuses to to uh, consider releasing non military, non elderly Israeli men. Right? It's only about women and children. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's 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 um, it's a deal with the devil. It really is. I pray to God that all of them are released, but I don't, I mean, the, the, the people, the Hamas is going to make this as painful as possible. They're going exactly. to extract this and draw this out 
And and it's only because Israel is not being allowed to do this and handle this the way that I believe they really want to handle this, which is without without the, the other governments, our so-called allies hovering around, making sure. That's absolutely true, Jim. It's absolutely true. And in and in the meantime, you know, uh, of nine children that were released, you know that six of them are orphans, and one of them, one little girl of both parents, and their parents were murdered on October seventh. We're not dealing with with a. It's not like there are two sides. Like we're one side, and they're a side that we can negotiate with. This is, right. it's it's just horrific, to to understand what's really going on here. Two, three thousand of their stormtroopers invaded Israel. They were accompanied by hundreds and hundreds of of Gazans who yeah. came into the Kibbutzim and settlements as well. During yeah. the military campaign, you were reading about how they were finding the openings to tunnels under children's beds, right, yeah. in the middle of Gaza, right, rocket launchers by swimming pools, but in, yeah. and, and 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 by schools, and how in, in the in the in mosques there were tunnels that were built and there were command centers the whole shifa hospital is one big command center yeah why is it that the head doctor the administrator of shifa hospital is now arrested and being interrogated for terror okay i wonder why having said he doesn't know anything about it right no. okay. all of gaza is complicit because it's impossible to have to have woven a structure as complex as the as Hamas, which is the government? Uh, wh why is it that you can't believe the the reports of the amount of people killed in Gaza? Because the figures are are supplied by the Gaza Health Ministry, which is the Hamas Health Ministry, that does not differentiate <laughs> between its fighters, the terrorists that yeah. we that we're looking for, mm -hmm. and civilians. Allegedly, since uh, October the the seventh, the the amount of Gazans that have died is something like eighteen thousand. Where do you bury eighteen thousand people? And if, and the Gazans are so big, the the Hamas is so big about publishing uh, videos of of you know of Israelis you know terrorizing them that we can't see videos of eighteen thousand graves. I mean, where's the evidence for that? So Jim, it's a bad deal. It's a bad it's, deal. It, 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 I, 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 my heart is 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 um in tremendous pain over the plight of the hostages and their families but it's still a bad deal it's a horrible deal right so in this week's Torah portion in Vayishlach Dina is abducted and raped right Shimon and Levi in a in a, in a, in a very controversial move came and with subterfuge uh, wiped out the city of Shechem right Yaakov was against it but not because of the concept but because of the timing Yes, it was about the timing. He felt that it that it that it was like as a political move. It wasn't a good time because he was vulnerable in numbers. But it's not that he was against what they yeah. did. So interestingly, Maimonides, I'll just put it out there. He he says that the as Noahides, right, the whole city was guilty because right. they knew about it and they did not protest and they did nothing about it, and therefore he says the whole city was guilty. So, you know, I was just reading today that one of the hostages that was released is a, a Russian Israeli, and he was released kind of like, like separately by Hamas as a nod to Putin, who does not consider Hamas to be a terrorist organization. And this fellow was talking about how he was hiding from Hamas for four days in a building because the building had collapsed because of IDF bombing, and he was taking advantage of that and hiding. 
And then he decided to come out and try to make his way toward the border to come back to Israel. And he was he was uh, found by Gazans, who delivered him back over yeah. to Hamas, right? Yeah, so-called so, civilians, so, by the way. Exactly. You can't distinguish between them. Also, t today, also in a, in a separate deal, as it were, some uh, Thailand nationals were also released that had been kidnapped. They were like uh, agricultural laborers in, in the, those border settlements near, near Gaza. They were also released today. And one of them was explaining that he had been taken uh, hostage, uh, abducted, taken hostage, and he was taken in an ambulance to Shifa Hospital. The media will ignore that, you know, the, the 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 mainstream media. Don't get me started. Anyway, so so we continue to to pray for the safety of those that are Amen. still there. Amen. The safety of those that are still there, the health and well being of those that have been returned. May all the families be reunited, re, be reunited, and may Hashem raise up the the horn of Israel, as it were, and may we be endowed and blessed with everything that we need to be able to see this to its proper conclusion, and that is the sanctification of Hashem's name in this world, which is perfect time for Hanukkah, for the light of the the olive the olive oil of Noah, which represents a world of of peace and tikkun and and harmony, to shine through once more. And that is the task of Israel now at this moment. Which again, as we've been saying, this is not just a war for Israel or about Israel, this is literally a war of light and a war against the forces of darkness in the world today that we are being forced to wage on behalf of the whole world. So may Hashem give us the strength and the, and the ability to, to do that. Amen. Looking forward to seeing you soon, Jim. Have a safe trip. Thank you. Shalom. Shalom, shalom.